Hello and welcome. My name is Alice and you are listening to the Backtracker History Show podcast. Crafted by me, a self-confessed history geek who enjoys those stories from the past that might have been forgotten. The Backtracker History Show is first aired on Bradley Stoke FM in Bristol, England, before being plonked onto the podcast stage for all to enjoy. Now, if you enjoy the show, don't forget to share or leave feedback. It all helps. Keep in touch via either Twitter or Facebook by using at Backtracker UK with a capital B, capital T and a capital UK. Join me as I walk the gangplank, raise me Jolly Roger and go in search of Bartholomew Roberts, better known as Black Bart, the most notorious and successful buccaneer of the Golden Pirate Age. Now, Bartholomew Roberts was described as a tall, attractive man who loved expensive clothes and jewellery. He was often seen dressed in a gorgeous crimson waistcoat with an expensive hat which had a unique red feather. Even in battles he was well dressed. On his chest there was a heavy gold chain with a diamond cross hanging onto it. Bartholomew Roberts was born between Fishguard and Haverford West in Pembrokeshire and the most successful buccaneer of the so-called golden age of piracy and looting more ships than his contemporaries, such as Blackbeard, Edward Lowe, Jack Rackham and Francis Briggs combined. At the height of his power, he had a fleet of four ships and hundreds of pirates to go with his organisational skills, charisma and daring. He was killed in action by pirate hunters off the coast of Africa in 1722. To be honest, not much is known about Robert's early life other than he was born in Wales in 1682, and his real name was probably John. His father was most likely George Roberts. It is unclear why Roberts changed his name from John to Bartholomew, but pirates often adopted aliases. He may have chosen his first name after the well-known buccaneer Bartholomew Sharp. Now, Roberts is thought to have gone to sea when he was only 13 in 1695, but there's no further record of him until 1718, when he was a mate of Barbados Sloop. He proved himself a competent sailor, as by 1719 he was second mate on the slave ship Princess under Captain Abraham Plum. The Princess went to Anamaibo in present-day Ghana to pick up slaves in mid-1719. That June, the Princess was captured. The pirates were in two vessels, Royal Rover and Royal James, and were led by Captain Howell Davis. Davis, like Roberts, was a Welshman, originally from Milford Haven in Pembrokeshire. Roberts and several other of the crew of the Princess were forced to join the pirates. Davis quickly discovered Roberts' abilities as a navigator and took to consulting him. He was also able to confide information to Roberts in Welsh, thereby keeping it hidden from the rest of the crew. Roberts is said to have been reluctant to become a pirate at first, but soon came to see the advantages of his new lifestyle. Captain Charles Johnson reports him as saying, 
In an honest service, there is thin commons, low wages and hard labour. In this, plenty, pleasure and ease, liberty and power. And who would not balance creditor on this side when all the hazard that is run for it? At worst is only a sour look or two at choking. No, a merry life and a short one shall be my motto. Few weeks after Robert's capture, Royal James had to be abandoned because of wound damage. Royal Rover headed for the island of Principe. Davis hoisted the flags of a British man of war and was allowed to enter the harbour. After a few days, Davis invited the governor to lunch on board his ship, intending to hold him hostage for ransom. Davis had to send boats to collect the governor and he was invited to call at the fort for a glass of wine first. The Portuguese discovered that their visitors were pirates. They ambushed Davis' party on its way to the fort, shooting Davis dead. A new captain had to be elected. Davis's crew was divided into lords and commons, and it was the lords who had the right to propose a name to the remainder of the crew. Within six weeks of his capture, Roberts was elected captain. This was unusual, especially as he had objected to serving on the vessel in the first place. Historians believe he was elected for his navigational abilities and his personality, which history reflects was outspoken and opinionated. According to a historian of the time, Captain Charles Johnson, who might have actually been Daniel Defoe, Roberts felt that if he must be a pirate, it was better being a commander than a common man. His first act was to attack the town where Davis had been killed in order to avenge his former captain. Roberts and his crew landed on the island in the cover of night, killed a large portion of the male population and stole all items of value that they could carry away. Soon afterwards, he captured a Dutch guineaman, then two days later, a British ship called Experiment. After this, Roberts and his crew headed for the coast of South America to look for booty. After several weeks, they found a treasure fleet bound for Lisbon, Portugal getting ready in All Saints Bay of northern Brazil. A fleet of 42 ships and their escorts, two massive men of war with 70 guns each. Now Robert sailed into the bay as if he was part of the convoy, just an ordinary day, and took one of the ships without anyone noticing. He had the ship's master point out the richest ship at anchor, the Sagrada Familia, then he sailed up and attacked. Roberts captured the ship and both vessels sailed away, taking 40,000 gold coins and jewellery designed for the King of Portugal, including a cross set with diamonds. The escort ships couldn't even catch them. towards Devil's Island off the coast of Guiana to spend their booty. And then, a few weeks later, they were off for the River Suriname, where they captured a sloop. After they sighted the brigantine, Roberts took 40 men to pursue it in a sloop, leaving Walter Kennedy in command of Rover. The sloop became windbound for eight days, and when Roberts and his crew finally returned to their ship, they discovered that Kennedy 
had sailed off with Rover and what remained of the loot, Roberts and his crew renamed their sloop Fortune and agreed on new articles now known as a pirate code, which they swore on a Bible to uphold. The articles excluded Irishmen from becoming full members of the crew, most likely because of Kennedy, who was Irish. And now I do declare it's that time in the show when we have our word of the week. And this week's word is hornswoggle, which means to defraud, to cheat someone out of money, or to bamboozle. Although the origins of this word are unknown, its first recorded use appears in 1829. And after a little bit more research, I discovered that it's also the name of a WWE fighter who enjoys dressing up as a leprechaun. Now, thanks to everyone that's been in touch with me already. It's really appreciated. But if you don't know how to, then you can get in touch via Twitter or Facebook by using at Backtracker UK with a capital B, a capital T and a capital UK. Or you can email me via Bradley Stoke Radio on admin at Bradley Stoke Radio. This is Alice, and you're listening to the Backtracker History Show. It's now late February 1720, and Black Bart is joined by French pirate Montigny Lapalise in another sloop, Sea King. The inhabitants of Barbados equipped two well-armed ships... Somerset and Philippa to stamp out these pirate menaces once and for all. On the 26th of February, they encountered the two pirate sloops, seeking quickly fled, and Fortune broke off the engagement and escaped, but only after sustaining considerable damage. Roberts headed for Dominica to repair the sloop, with 20 of his crew dying of their wounds on the voyage. His troubles didn't end there, as there were also two sloops from Martinique out searching for the pirates, and Roberts swore vengeance against the inhabitants of Barbados and Martinique. He even had a new flag made, with a drawing of himself standing upon two skulls, one labelled ABH, a barbarian's head, and the other AMH, a Martiniquean's head. Roberts quickly added weapons and men to reach his former strength. When authorities on Barbados learned that he was nearby, they outfitted two pirate hunter ships to bring him in. Roberts saw one of the ships and, not knowing it was a heavily armed pirate hunter, tried to take it. The other ship opened fire and Roberts was forced to flee. After that, Roberts was always harsh to captured ships from Barbados. Roberts and his men made their way north to Newfoundland in June 1720 and found 22 merchant ships and 150 fishing ships in the harbour of Trepassi. After making his grand entrance with his new black flag flying proudly in the wind. The crews and townspeople fled at the sight of the pirate's flag, leaving Roberts and his men as victorious masters of Trepassi. Roberts had captured all 22 merchant ships, 
but was angered by the cowardice of the captains who had fled their ships. Every morning, Roberts had a gun fired, which was a signal for every captain to attend Roberts on board his ship. They were told that everyone who was absent would have his ship burnt. One brig from Bristol was taken over by the pirates to replace the sloop Fortune and fitted out with 16 guns. When the pirates left in late June, all the other vessels in the harbour were set on fire. During July, Roberts captured nine or ten French ships and commandeered one of them, fitting her with 26 cannons and changing her name to Good Fortune. With this more powerful ship, the pirates captured many more vessels before heading south for the West Indies. They were joined once again by Montani La Palisi's sloop. If you remember, they're the ones that fled at the first sign of trouble last time. With Roberts in the lead, they returned to the Caribbean, where they captured dozens more vessels. They changed ships often, selecting the best vessels and outfitting them for piracy. Robert's flagship was usually renamed Royal Fortune, and he would often have fleets of three or four ships. He began calling himself the Admiral of the Leeward Islands. He was sought out by two ships of would-be pirates, looking for pointers. He gave them advice, ammunition and weapons. Roberts reportedly caught Florimond Hurley de Monti, the governor of Martinique, who was sailing aboard a 52-gun French warship. The governor was caught and promptly hanged on the yardarm of his own ship, which the pirates converted into the new royal fortune. As part of this week's Look Back Facts, I'm going to go into more detail about the Pirate Code, as laid down in 1722 by Bartholomew Black Bart Roberts and one of his many crew. The first one was that every man shall have an equal vote in affairs of the moment. He shall have an equal title to the fresh provisions or strong liquors at any time seized and shall use them at pleasure unless a scarcity makes it necessary for the common good that retrenchment may be voted. Number two, every man shall be called fairly in turn by the list on board of prizes, because over and above their proper share they are allowed a shift of clothes, but if they defraud the company to the value of even one dollar in plate, jewels or money, they shall be marooned. If any man rob another, he shall have his nose and ears slit and be put ashore where he shall be sure to encounter hardships. Number three, none shall gain for money, either with dice or cards. Number four, the lights and candles shall be put out at eight at night and if any of the crew desire to drink after that hour, they shall sit upon the open deck without lights. Number five, each man shall keep his piece, cutlass and pistols at all times clean and ready for action. Number six, no boy or woman shall be allowed amongst them. If any man shall be found seducing one of the latter sex and carrying her to sea in disguise, he shall suffer death. Number seven, he that shall desert the ship or his quarters in the time of battle shall be punished by death or marooning. 
Number eight. None shall strike another on board the ship, but every man's quarrel shall be ended on shore by sword or pistol, in this manner, at the word of command from the quartermaster. Each man, being previously placed back to back, shall turn and fire immediately. If any man do not, the quartermaster shall knock the piece out of his pound. If both miss their arm, they shall take to their cutlasses, and he that draws first blood shall be declared the victor. Number nine. Every man who shall become a cripple or lose a limb in the service shall have 800 pieces of eight from the common stock, and for lesser hurts, proportionally. Number ten. The captain and the quartermaster shall each receive two shares of prize, the master gunner and boatswain, one and one house share, all other officers one and one quarter, and private gentlemen of fortune one share each. And the last one, number 11, the musicians shall have rest on the Sabbath day only, by right on all other days, by favour only. Now, I don't know what you think, but that sounds rather civilised to me. Just in case you're wondering, this version of the Pirates of the Caribbean theme tune is by the Band of the Parachute Regiment. Now we continue our story about Bartholomew Black Bart Roberts. Now he often faced discipline problems on board his ships. In early 1721, Roberts killed one crew member in a brawl and was attacked later by one of the man's friends. This caused a division among the already disgruntled crew. One faction wanted out, convincing the captain of one of Robert's ships, Thomas Anstis, to desert Robert's. They did, setting out on their own in April 1721. Unfortunately, Anstis proved to be an unsuccessful pirate. Meanwhile, the Caribbean had become too dangerous for Robert's, so he headed for Africa. Roberts neared Senegal in June 1721 and began raiding shipping along the coast. He anchored at Sierra Leone. Here he was told by retired pirate John Old Crackers Leadstone that two Royal Navy ships, HMS Swallow and HMS Weymouth, had left at the end of April but were planning to return before Christmas. On the 8th of August, he captured two large ships at Point Sestos, now River Cess in Liberia. One of these was the frigate Onslow, transporting soldiers bound for Cape Coast, Cabo Corso, Castle. A number of the soldiers wished to join the pirates and they were eventually accepted. However, they only received a quarter of a pirate's pay because they were not sailors most of their lives. Onslow was converted to become the fourth royal fortune. In November and December, the pirates creamed their ship and relaxed at Cape Lopez and the island of Annabon. With a fleet of four ships and at the height of his strength, he could attack anyone with impunity. For the next few months, Roberts took dozens of prizes. Each pirate began amassing a small fortune. In January 1722, Roberts showed just how cruel he could really be. He was sailing off Wider, a well-known slaving area, 
with his black flags flying. The eleven ships at anchor there immediately struck their colours, but were restored to their owners after a ransom of eight pounds of gold dust per ship was paid. One ship they found was a slave ship, the Porcupine, at anchor. The captain was ashore. Robert took the ship and demanded a ransom from the captain who refused to deal with pirates. Roberts ordered the porcupine burned, but his men didn't release the slaves on board. The one set on fire had around 80 enslaved Africans on board. Johnson described the slaves' miserable choice of perishing by fire or water. Also writing that those who jumped overboard were seized by sharks and tore limb from limb whilst still alive, a cruelty unparalleled. On the 5th of February, 1722, Black Bart Roberts was repairing his ship at Cape Lopez when a large vessel approached. It turned and fled, so Roberts sent his consort vessel, the Great Ranger, to capture it. What he didn't know was the other ship was actually the HMS Swallow, a large man of war that had been looking for them under the command of Captain Shalana Ogle. Once they were out of Roberts' sight, the swallow turned and attacked the great ranger. During the battle, ten pirates were killed and its captain had his leg taken off by a cannonball when he refused to leave the deck. The battle took two hours and the great ranger was crippled and her remaining crew surrendered. Argor sent the great ranger limping away with the pirates in chains and went back for Black Bart Roberts. HMS Swallow returned on February 10th to find the Royal Fortune still at anchor. Two other ships were there, a tender to the Royal Fortune and a trading vessel, the Neptune. On the previous day, Roberts had captured Neptune and many of his crew were drunk and unfit for duty, just when he needed them most. At first, the pirates thought that the approaching ship was Ranger returning, but a deserter from Swallow recognised her and informed Roberts while he was breakfasting with Captain Hill, the master of the Neptune. As he usually did before action, he dressed himself in his finest clothes. As described at the time, Roberts himself made a gallant figure at the time of the engagement, being dressed in a rich crimson damask waistcoat and breeches, a red feather in his hat, a gold chain around his neck, with a diamond cross hanging to it, a sword in his hand and two pairs of pistols slung over his shoulders. The pirates' plan was to sail past the Swallow, which meant exposing themselves to one broadside. Once past, they would have a good chance of escaping. However, the helmsman failed to keep Royal Fortune on the right course, and Swallow was able to approach to deliver a second broadside. Captain Roberts was killed by a grape shot, which struck him in the throat whilst he was stood on deck. Before his body could be captured by Ogle, Roberts wished to be buried at sea with all his arms and ornaments on, a request that he'd made several times during his life, was fulfilled by his crew who weighed his body down and threw it overboard after wrapping it in his ship's sail. It has never been found. Without Roberts, the pirates lost heart and within an hour they surrendered. 152 pirates were arrested. The Neptune had vanished but not before looting the abandoned smaller pirate ship. Ogle set sail for Cape Coast Castle, 
on Africa's west coast. Robert's death shocked the pirate world as well as the Royal Navy. The local merchants and civilians had thought him invincible, and some considered him a hero. A trial was held at Cape Coast Castle. A total of 272 men had been captured by the Royal Navy. Of these, 65 were of colour, and they were sold into slavery. The remainder were taken to Cape Coast Castle, apart from those who died on the voyage back. 54 were condemned to death, of whom 52 were hanged and 2 reprieved. Another 20 were allowed to sign indentures with the Royal African Company. In effect, exchanging an immediate death for a lingering one, 17 men were sent to Marshalsea Prison in London for trial, where some were acquitted and released. Of the captured pirates who told their place of birth, 42% said they were from Cornwall, Devon and Somerset, and another 19% from London. The rest were mixed. Captain Shalona Ogle was rewarded with a knighthood, the only British naval officer to be honoured specifically for his actions against pirates. He also profited financially, taking gold dust from Robert's cabin, and he eventually became an admiral. Now, Black Bart Roberts was the greatest pirate of his generation. It is estimated that he took 400 ships during his three-year career. He isn't as famous as some of his contemporaries though, such as Blackbeard, Steve Bonnet or Charles Vane, but he was a much better pirate. His nickname seems to have come from his dark hair and complexion instead of a cruel nature, although he could be as ruthless as any contemporary. Due to his notoriety, his signature look and his success, it's no wonder that Roberts is a favourite of true pirate buffs. He is mentioned in Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island, also in the movie The Princess Bride. The name Dread Pirate Roberts refers to him. He often appears in pirate video games and has been the subject of novels, histories and movies. Roberts was the inspiration for the Lord Bartholomew character in the Pirates of the Caribbean films and he also appears in the game Assassin's Creed IV Black Flag. mean it's time for me to tell you about our book of the week and this week it's the conjurer's bird by martin davis this is a truly beautiful story inspired by one of the great puzzles of natural history that of the mysterious bird of ulietta seen only once in 1774 by captain cook's second expedition to the south seas a single specimen was captured preserved and brought back to england the bird was given to famed naturalist Joseph Banks, who displayed it proudly in his collection, until its sudden, unexplained disappearance. This book covers two time periods, and at its heart it is a romance about a secret affair that Banks has with a woman known only as Miss B, and also about a present-day conservationist named Fitz, who is drawn into a thrilling and near-impossible race to find the elusive bird's only known remains. Here's a bit of history news for you. If you've got some spare time and you love history, why don't you do some volunteering? 
the National Archives in Kew are looking for volunteers to transcribe contemporary handwritten records and help input them into a huge free online database. They've teamed up with the National Maritime Museum to create a fully searchable online resource, which provides researchers with crew lists reconstructed from transcribed service records. Volunteers will be given unique login details for the transcription website. They'll receive transcription instructions and assistance, and project managers are only at the end of an email if anyone needs any help. So if any of you guys out there want to get involved, and I'm seriously thinking about it myself, you can contact crew lists, or one word in lowercase, at nationalarchives.gov.uk to get some more information. You have been listening to me, Alice, on the Backtracker History Show. Now, this podcast has been specially edited from a Bradley Stoke radio show in Bristol, England. If you liked it, please leave a rating and maybe a comment. If you didn't, well, let's just leave it at that, shall we? I would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with me via Twitter or Facebook using at Backtracker UK with a capital B, a capital T and a capital UK. Or, alternatively, you can email me at info at backtracker.co.uk. By the way, the tune in the background, that's by The Model Folk. You can find out more about them at themodelfolk.com. So thank you so much for listening. And until next time, guys, take care and look after each other. <laughs>